It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello, welcome to Garibaldi Red. As Nottingham Forest are through in the Carabao Cup after a very comfortable 2 0 win against Tottenham, with first goals to the club from Renan Lodi and Jesse Lingard. So, joining me to discuss that and look ahead to the Palace game in terms of team selection on the back of it is, first of all, Reds fan Mikey Clark. Morning, Mikey. How are you doing? Morning, Matt. I'm great, thank you. All the better after a great performance and a brilliant result last night. Yes, certainly was, certainly was. The second guest today is Michael Temple. Temps, how are you? Feeling good. What a night. Reminiscent of some of our better nights of uh, of recent months. So, yeah, it's uh, it's kicked me on. I'm looking forward to Saturday now. So, like I said at the start there, Mikey, it was a comfortable win. I thought from every point or win Forrest have had this season, it's been nerve-wracking, terrifying last few minutes. This game, even when Mangala got sent off, I still thought Forest were going to win comfortably. It, I mean, I know it's not the Premier League, but it felt like the best performance of the season to me. What, what did you make of it? Yeah, I think I agree with that. I think, um, I guess, where we are at the moment, you know, trying to, you know, find our, our ourselves at a higher level. The cup was a really, really nice distraction from the pressures of the league. I think we. Even I think your point there, Matt, is is really relevant. So, if that was the league game and we were one or two nil up and we'd gone down to ten men, it would literally probably be all hands to the pump. But I never really felt that yesterday. Um, even when Mangala got sent off with fifteen minutes to go, like I said, of course the shape of the game changes. You drop a bit deeper. I think they had a goal ruled out for offside, didn't they? But like I said, I never really felt. Never really felt, uh, you know, in danger, and I think that is a reflection of how we played the seventy-five minutes beforehand, because we were on the front foot. We played a slightly different formation. I'm sure we'll, we'll try and explore that. And it's almost—I'm not saying we took Tottenham by surprise, but they rested a few. They played Harry Kane, which I was really, really surprised about with the World Cup around the corner. I can only assume he had gone to Conte and said, "I want to play," but. I'm not sure how the rest of the country would have felt if Joe Warrell would have gone for him after five minutes and then put him out of the World Cup. But thankfully, that didn't happen. But no, in general, I thought we were absolutely brilliant last night. Front foot. I thought Jesse Lingard had his best game for Forrest. I'm sure we'll talk about that as well. And I just felt that we were totally in control of that game, even when we went down to 10 men, as I said. So the challenge now the guys have got is, firstly, do we pick the same team? You know, we'll, we'll have to talk about that. But secondly, how can we take that feel-good factor from the players and that positive front foot, high-pressing performance that we saw last night? How do we take that into Saturday and try and get uh, three points on the board? Because let's be honest, that's that's kind of what we're all hoping to. And there's there's a chance, a slim chance, that if we win on Saturday, we're at the bottom three. Temps, you abandoned your seat with the regular masses to join the prawn sandwich brigade last night. What was the what was the view from the posh seats? Yeah, I'm quite easily swayed in that regard, Matt. 
I'll just echo what um, Mikey said. I think individuals owned their performances last night. So Jesse Lingard did what Jesse Lingard can do. Oral Mangala did what we've been waiting to, to see him do in that he was fit and available. More of that later. But there was a hunger, wasn't there, for people to, to keep the shirt. The centre-halves selection perhaps would have struck a bit of nervousness now before the game. They were both great. Wayne Hennessy is a better distributor than, than Henderson and had a, a solid game in goal. And the, the tactic was quite clear. We were looking to get the ball in behind. So Jesse Lingard's role in picking it up deep and stretching the game, playing balls for Surridge in particular to run onto, caused Spurs difficulties. And they weren't, they weren't prepared for that. And they weren't prepared for the manner in which Jesse was doing what Morgan had done in recent weeks and just being direct, attracting defenders and finding a, a player in space. And it caused him so many problems. And I thought we were in control from start to finish. I think the Mangala thing is the, the one sour point on it because he'd made himself an automatic selection with that performance. And once he'd conceded his yellow card for uh, the push on, on Spence, who was in full flight, at that point, you, you can't make another tackle of that, of that type and give the referee an opportunity to send you off. I don't think it was particularly dirty, but once you scissor someone like that, even if you get a bit of the ball, you're giving him a chance to give you a yellow card. So I think that'll be a big frustration because Saturday is so big. Mangala would have been in that side if he was available and he's given Cooper a little bit of a headache there. But um, in summary, that was a, a performance of uh, a level that could keep you in the Premier League if you could consistently find those levels. Uh, Temps Jr. wanted to weigh in there initially, but I think he's, he's scarred, but no, no opinion on Jesse Lingard yet. Um, Temps touched on the red card there, Mikey. I think thought it was fair. I thought it was fair. Any complaints from you? No, I don't think so. I think I think that's a yellow card, isn't it? So if he's if he's already been booked, then you know so that's the case. But yeah, I echo what Temps is saying. Right at the start of the season, where we picked our key players. Uh, I think myself and Greg singled out Mangala. One, because he was one of the only people that we knew <laughs> that came in. There was a lot of people that we weren't sure in terms of their performance levels. But I thought he saw last night exactly the reason why we've brought him to the football club. You know, he was dynamic, box to box. He's deceptively quick, you know, like over, over those first couple of yards. If you look at that the challenge where he got sent off, he's about a yard or two behind. But with a couple of strides, he catches up. Yes, he's got incredibly long legs to wrap, wrap himself around the Tottenham play and pull him down. But I think he's, he's deceptively strong, deceptively quick. And he's going to be a real asset to Forrest, I think, going forward. Especially when, you know, we get back from the World Cup, weather's not the best. You need that energy in midfield. I think he's going to be really, really useful for Forrest. And it is a shame. And I, I wasn't actually aware that, the yellow card, the red card, sorry, carries through to the, to the league game, which I guess it does, which is disappointing because I was looking forward to seeing him. Um, but I do think he'll be a permanent fixture in this Forest side sooner rather than later, certainly when we come back from the FA Cup. But in general, uh, from the World Cup side, but in general, I thought yesterday just filled me with so much optimism in terms of the way they started the game. And Mangala was all over the place. I just thought it was, I thought it was great. And even though there was a couple of guys in the first half that were struggling a little bit, but they raised their levels as well because they saw what was happening. They saw we were on the front foot. And there was a point in that second half where we were in full flow for sort of five, ten minutes. 
and I thought, we've cracked it here. You know, this is the forest that, as Temp said, if they can consistently perform like this, we're going to be all right. It just, you know, fills me with so much confidence watching that. Challenge is now to just keep going, keep it going. I think last time you were on Temps or the time before you said about, it was a good point, Cooper picking teams from position of weakness in terms of, you know, he's making changes because player X is out of form and he wants to give someone else another chance who hadn't done a lot themselves. But we go into the Palace game now, perhaps for the first time this season, with Cooper having tough choices to make for the right reasons, don't we now? Yeah, absolutely. Good luck picking a midfield for Saturday's game after after those performances, which have created a real headache. I think there's a lot of clamour for for those spots. I'm I'm pretty settled on the back four that I'd pick. And I think the only player that probably played himself out of the picture last night was Taiwo. <clears throat> I wonder who I thought really, really struggled at times. Um, just, just seemed to um, not get to the duel or lose the duel. Um, struggled to use his, use his pace and get away from defenders. And Surridge was perhaps more effective than uh, people may have expected. He assisted the goal. He was a very willing runner and just looked a bit more composed on the ball. So team selection were really tough. I think Surridge just stuck his hand up. I think Lingard has to stay in while Brennan and Morgan Gibbs-White will expect to, to, to come back in. You've got a logjam centre mid with Yatesy, Froiler, Koyate, O'Brien, all possibly thinking they could play. I hope Joe Worrell's done enough to, to get a go. I think that him coming in for Cook may improve the passing out of the back four. Aurier is inked in. He was dragged to protect him at the same time that Tyler was dragged because he was struggling. I think McKenna will come, come back in because he's our best ball winner in the air. And that was the best of Lodi, wasn't it? And the best of Lodi gets him in the team. We just need to see that consistently now because in the games that he's drifted out of, well, he'd been very easy to drop after those performances, but you saw the quality on his right peg, which they showed him the opportunity to do that. He cut inside and, and what a finish. So my inked in players for the weekend would be Henderson in goal, Lodi and Ari at fullback, McKenna and, and Rowell at centre-half. After that, it's anyone's debate and I'll pass to Mikey. Let's expand on a few of those players then. Um, on Lodi, I mean, I thought he had a really good game. I think it would be harsh to drop Williams. But then, Mikey, you see the ceiling of a player like Lodi and we'll come on to Lingard. And you kind of think as soon as they show any kind of form, given how good they can be, you kind of feel like you have to pick them, do you? Or are you still leaving Lodi out? Yeah, it's, it, it's a tricky one, that, because it is a bit harsh on Williams, but you're right, you know, Lodi's played for Brazil for a reason, he's played for Atletico Madrid for a reason in the Champions League, he's obviously a very, very good player that's just acclimatising to, to the challenges of, of football in this country. Um, my only concern with that, and I I agree with three attempts as back four, my only concern with that is, is Lodi, because I think he's going to be up against Zahar. So, Lodi's best qualities from what we've seen and maybe not defensively. So when you've got one of the best players in the Premier League twisting you here, there and everywhere, I think I might just go a bit more pragmatic and, and start with Williams. But that's nothing to say that if we are perhaps chasing the game or it's level, you could bring Lodi on. We've got five subs now. So it's not as if we're hampered with three and people never used to change defensive positions when we only had three. So I'd probably start a bit more pragmatically with Williams. Um, but Lodi is absolutely inked in to come on, uh, perhaps make an impact. And yeah, you're right, Matt. You know, he has played at a level where 
you know his ceiling's really, really high. And we did see it last night. So there is a case for putting him in the team. I just think horses for courses against Zahar, well, I'll probably go with Williams. I do think in the midfield as well, though, really, really interesting. So yesterday we seemed to play a bit more of a poor heart diamond, which would be music to your ears, Matt. I know how much you were. You love poor heart. Um, with Jesse Lingard in that sort of Darren Huckabee role, sort of floating in behind. I would love him to go a similar way. Um, Lingard was picking it up all over the pitch and in the centre of the pitch, not just stuck to a touchline. Um, and I know we, we we were a bit fluid during the game, but when we were on top, he was certainly drifting here, there and everywhere. My worry would be if we resorted back to type and we went three in the midfield and then stuck, say, Johnson wide right, Gibbs white or whoever, Lingard wide left, you stuck there and you don't see much of the ball. I, I, I genuinely think that I'd love to see uh, us go with a very similar formation, have the three tight in midfield, but just say to Lingard, do what you did on Wednesday, influence the play, drop deep. If you remember the Tottenham game, for those people that watched it and who were there, Lingard for that first 55, 60 minutes was brilliant. He was linking the play, he was dropping deep, he was dragging players here, there and everywhere. I'd love to see the same on Saturday. But when you're going to give somebody that free role, there's a lot of expectation on the other players to maybe do a bit more running and dig in. So you probably do want a three tight in there. So Freuler, Yates, I would have said Mangala, but if he's not available, then maybe somebody like a, an O'Brien. Um, and then you could have Lingard in behind whoever we choose up front. So that's the way I'd go. I'd stick Williams at fullback, but I would be more aggressive and more uh, try to be a bit more dynamic going forward. Um, I give Lodi a little bit of extra credit before we come on to Lingard as well, because he missed out on the Brazil squad. And I think probably the main reason he came to Forest, if we're honest, is he wanted to make that Brazil squad as well as playing in the Premier League. And I think there was a scenario where he just thought, I'm not, not fancying this. I want to go back in January. And I hope that this game kind of ignites him. And if Forest can get him playing well, then um, that would really help. There's loads of like crows flying outside the front of my house. It's like something out of a Hitchcock movie. It's putting me off talking there. It's Where do you weird. live? Do you live in Never Neverland or something? This is about the fourth <laughs> interjection we've had for Nature Watch in the last six, <laughs> six or seven crows are swirling outside the front of my window. Okay, that was a bit off-putting. Um, Lingard temps. I mean, for me, he 100% starts on Saturday at the expense of Dennis, I would say, and then do you have Johnson or Surridge or a one you will come on to that in a minute? But again, like Lodi, Lingard, if you get the best of him, he's not a bottom three Premier League player. It's just getting the best from, isn't it? Is this a big opportunity now for us? Yeah, Lingard plays at the weekend. He got dragged because there was a little bit of tiredness there at the end, wasn't there? And an eye on him playing on, on, on Saturday. But he would he would have been given the challenge, grab this game by the scruff. You're the creative force out there Brennan and Morgan Gibbs White are on the bench we're, we're looking to you and he he rose to that and yeah just we spoke before haven't we about formation and how you how you set up to stand at kickoff but within that you can um, look for work and do so much more than um, your opposing player chooses to and he did he, he was picking the ball up in pockets of space all the time because he was finding it and sometimes that meant going really deep sometimes as Mikey's point within that midfield four it allowed him to to drift slightly left but he was receiving the ball in in such big pockets of space run direct to the player attracts the, he attracts defenders and then finds the, the pocket in behind or the slide rule pass and and on we go so 
Yeah, that was the performance we've all been waiting for. He needs to follow it up with another one now. Because if we win this game on Saturday, I think the feeling in the camp, the feeling um, across the club will be lifted to a point that the belief is higher than it has been since the, the, the first game of the season. It's so much riding on this game at the, at the weekend. And just to take a quick temperature check on where the club's at at the minute, we played Wolves at this stage of the competition last year and we closed the upper tier. Forest, the City Ground was sold out last night and the crowd got the result that they deserved and Jesse Lingard was a big part of the reason for that. Yeah, I, f- I forgot about that Wolves game. That's literally one of the worst Forest performances I've seen. Not in the sense that there was a lot of young players who did well, but in terms of the, the tactical setup in that game, if I'm wrong, was 6-4 non, basically. I mean, Chris Hewton ball epitomised. So, yeah, it does highlight the progress that's been made for sure. On the Palace game in general then, Mikey, I think um, Temps makes a really good point. It, we said on Monday's podcast, it, it's not must win, but if you do win, you go into that World Cup feeling like the club's moving really in the right direction, heading into what is not the second half of the season, but the second phase of the season. Yeah, you do. Um 6-4 non, that's like a formation I play on football manager when you won the look with 20 minutes to go, but obviously not in real life. Um, that's brought back horrible memories, you're right. So, yes, let's talk positive. So, Palace game, yeah, if we do win that game, and I made a, a bit of a quip about we could be at the bottom three, it's just mental, isn't it? You know, Fletch was talking on the podcast on Monday with Greg about, you know, we've got 30, how many games? 36, 38? Um, games to accue a certain amount of points. Um, nobody ever gets relegated after 30, 14 games. And that's true. But on the other hand, the mental lift it will give the players to go to a World Cup, to have that break, to have what is in effect another pre-season, knowing you are literally sniffing, getting out of that bottom three and you're improving game after game. I mean, other than the Arsenal game, Matt, we were talking about this last night, there has been a gradual improvement. If you were graphing it... (laughs) If you're a bit geeky and you were graphing it, you'd see a, a bit of a shaky start, but then you'd see upturn, 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 upturn. And that's kind of where we're at. So if we can somehow get a win on Saturday, it will give a lift to the fan base, the players, the staff. And, you, and you'd be looking forward to Manchester United away and Chelsea at home um, rather than thinking, oh, no, we're stuck in the bottom three. We haven't won for X amount of time. And look who we've got coming up straight after the World Cup. So... The facts don't change. We're still going to play those games. But the outlook and the mentality around it changes. And I have to say as well, go back to to Temps' point about the crowd. It's a really, really good point. Um, Not once this season or even sort of towards sort of two thirds of last season have I seen the crowd get agitated or turn on the players because I think everybody realises that this is a great opportunity for Forrest and it's going to be tough and it's going to be really hard. So when when when, when things aren't going according to plan, you get that level of support and that level of uplift from the stands. And that will be the same on Saturday. I absolutely guarantee that. And just think what it could be like at five o'clock on Saturday when everybody's leaving the ground, we're touching distance of 17th, wow. Um, and the positivity, you know, if we play like that, I guarantee you we will get something on Saturday, whether it's a point or three points. And you have to go into it thinking we're in a good place right now. We're stringing together some very, very good performances. All we need to do 
get it on the pitch on Saturday, get those three points, get out of that bottom three. And, and my word, you know, we're all going to enjoy the World Cup if that's the case. Palace are a funny team, though, aren't they? Temps. I think they're an upgrade on Brentford, especially a Tony-less Brentford. Either they, Zaha, Mikey mentioned, obviously he can play across the front three. That, they've got that Ducori in midfield at the base of it. Eze is really good, solid enough defence. It's not going to be an easy one, is it? No, they are a good side and they fly under the radar a little bit, don't they? Because they, they're never really challenging the top, top end of the Premier League. But they've been a fixture for a long time now. But I'd, I'd add, add Eze to that mix as well. I think he's... Uh, a really good player that's uh, come on a lot since his QPR days. Elise, obviously. Um, but Zaha is the man they build their team around. And he will be looking to exploit any, any weakness that we have. You can't hide when you're playing against him. And that tactical battle uh, between him... And I still think they will pick Lodi. It'd be very interesting to see what happens there. But I'd, I hope they, they, they do pick um, Lodi because he makes Zaha have to work in a different way. He can't cheat if he's up against Lodi because he'll be looking to sneak 20 yards past him and be an attacking threat himself so yeah it's a good debate that Mikey I'll be really interested to see how they how they try to, to to counter that but they had a tiring game last night they lost to Newcastle on penalties didn't they I think they won their previous Premier League game they beat West Ham didn't they away so they're not they're coming in off reasonable form as well but We've just got to strike. We've got to get the pressing right, get the defensive shape right, make sure that our creative players get as much of the ball as we can and, and give them a go because we, we can't die wondering here. I don't think this is a game to counter-attack. I think it's a game to enjoy the platform of possession and to try and exploit the opposition as we did, did last night. But don't underestimate Palace. They've got some very dangerous players, but so have we. And if it clicks, we're more than a match for them. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think Zaha might end up on Aurier, actually, because he might mm. play from the left. And oh, the, Zaha's got a booking in him for getting wound up, and Aurier can wind him up, but he's got a booking in him. So that could be an interesting battle. If it's that way, it's going to be, like as you say, whichever fullback it is, or if he plays centrally, because um, I see he's done that as well, if Edwards, and it's going to be a good one. Um, you sat on the fence early attempts about your 11, but we're 20 minutes in, so I'm going to press you for a final 11, because there is a good debate around it, and then I'll do the same for Mikey. Yeah, so let's go with two up front then. So let's leave out Brennan and put Morgan Gibbs-White alongside Sam Surridge because I think the out ball is still required, but it'd be wrong to say that that's all Surridge is. He offers offers more than that. I'm leaving out Tyro as well because I thought he was poor last night and he looked very raw compared to Sam Surridge. So let's go for Hendo in goal, Lodi at left back, sorry, Mikey, Aurier right back, McKenna and Worrell centre-halves. I'm going to go for a midfield three of Yates, O'Brien and Coyate with Jesse Lingard behind Morgan Gibbs-White and Sam Surridge in the same shape as last night. Very good. Mikey, What's what, who's lining up for you? Slightly different, that. So, um, same shape. 
So I'm going to go same back four. So Henderson, Aurier, Worrell, McKenna. I'll play Williams for more pragmatic attempts. And so half frightens me. And you're right. It depends if they play Ayu and Mateta, but they are quite fluid. So, yeah, I get that thing. Then I'll probably go with a three in midfield and I'll go Coyote, uh, Yates and Freuler. And then I would have uh, Lingard in that sort of free role. And then I'd go with, and this this might cause a bit of debate, I'd go with Gibbs White and Johnson up front. And the reason being on that is it's quite fluid. You can drop in to uh, a three, a four, three, three if needed. So you could move Lingard out wide, drop Gibbs White in behind. You know what he did on um, on Saturday as the main striker and Johnson uh, Johnson to the right. So perhaps when we don't have possession and we sort of try and tighten up a little bit, but there's so much pace in there. You know, Johnson only had a few minutes last night. Gibbs White the same. Um, Lingard, I, I absolutely would have in that free roll. And then, as you were saying, Matt, around Taiwo, I think it was Thames actually, maybe didn't have his best game. He's an option off the bench. Surridge, certainly an option off the bench. But I'd go that way, and I wouldn't be adverse to them starting Surridge either. Because every time he comes on, and I'm talking about last season as well, he seems to make an impact. So maybe there's a there's a clamour there or or thought process that says, actually, we've tried Gibbs White up front, we've tried Johnson up front, we've tried Awani up front, uh, we've even tried Dennis up front. Um, maybe it's time for Surridge. So that's the way I'd start. But like I said, you've got five substitutes. You can be flexible. But my starting lineup gives you that ability to to flick formations really, really easily, um, depending on how the game's going. Okie doke. So I'll just read mine out for uh, what it's worth. So I've got uh, Henderson goal, same back four as uh, Temps, I think. Aurier, Worrell. I think Worrell needs to come in for Cook personally now. Nothing particular against Cook because obviously you know, been a great servant and still has a role to play. But I think Wall's just a bit better on the ball of getting the ball into midfield and getting Forrest moving. And he defended well last night. I mean, we haven't mentioned that Harry Kane got hooked after 55 minutes or something without having a kick. Thanks for coming, Harry. Good to see you. (laughs) Uh, Midfield three, Kriate, Yates, who again, I thought was really good. uh, And he's just growing, you know, pretty much game on game at the moment, which is good to see. And then I would probably go with O'Brien. He's slightly different to Freuler, and you might have to tweak how you play through midfield. But I think o- O'Brien gets across the ground more and he just opens things up a bit. Uh, he, he breaks the lines. So I think the way... We, I think he might suit this front three better than I've got. So I've got um, same as Brentford, really, except uh, Lingard in for Dennis, Gibbs-White, and then Johnson out wide. I thought Brennan did well when he came on, should have scored. Uh, that would have boosted his confidence. And then, like Mikey said, I think you can play Dennis, uh, excuse me, Gibbs White and Lingard, and they can switch and they can go over, move from the left to the centre. And I'm hoping that gives Palace some problems. I know, I mean, Temps, this this front three hasn't really properly clicked. That so Cooper, he's desperate to get it working, isn't he? You can tell Lingard. Gibbs White Johnson is the three he wants to pick. It feels like yeah. this is the best chance to, to get it going. Yeah, I think at the start of the season when he had that blank piece of paper after all the signings had come in, he probably hoped he could get a tune out of those three in that system and a tune out of McKenna, Worrell, Neocarte at the other end of the pitch. And I think that that's been that was blown apart by injury and form, wasn't it? So 
being able to do that justified by form is where Cooper wants to be. And it is like it's a fair debate and it's it's very it's very nuanced. And I, I wouldn't be disappointed to see that team. I just think we've been more effective when uh, we've been able to affect the long ball, the clearance. And for all their qualities, you've got three fellas there who aren't going to win too much, too much ball in the air. Not the time to talk about the January window, but 10 seconds summary. Neither Tywo or Surridge are the real answer at the top of the pitch. And I think uh, a number nine of with physical presence will be will be high on that list and that will improve those three players in and around them but the bench is really important here and being dropped from this starting 11 doesn't mean you won't have an influence on this game or any game there's a number of players there that if injected at 65 70 minutes could turn a game and all of those players fit into that ilk i think brennan and morgan gibbs white in particular would be terrifying to face for, for 20 minutes when you're blowing and, and, and they're fresh. So I'm not diminishing their role, even if they're out of the team. And I, I think Cooper will be very good at getting that point across, keeping a squad together, making sure that everybody's aware that there's, there's no guaranteed starting place in this side unless you justify it with form. As Yatesy has, as Serge Aurier has, as Koyate did in his, his spell um, two and three weeks ago. So really, really tough team selection. I'd, I'd, I'd love to see those three click because that would be an indication that the plan A is back on the table and coming to fruition and they're impacting games. I just haven't seen it work with my own eyes yet and I'm, I'm, I'm to be convinced, but I'd, I'd love that to, to work. Yeah, you know, in terms of, I was just going to say, Matt, in terms of a, a, a number nine, I'm thinking as Temps is talking, Palace have got Mateta and Edward, the guy they got from uh, Celtic, both physical units. What those guys do is allow your Eze's and your Elise's and your Zahars to come into play. So sometimes Palace, as silky as they are, you'll see it on Saturday for those that go, they'll whack the ball up, it'll be held up, laid off, and then you have those three terrifying players run at you. It's kind of a little bit what we need. So I wonder if they'll give us one of them because they've got two. But it, but seriously, it, that's kind of what we need in, in the ilk of a number nine, especially if we're not, you know, we only had again 41% possession, I think, last night. We're not going to have the most possession in the majority of games. So when it does go up front with the long ball, it needs to stick. And then you need to bring in our equivalent of a Zahar and a Lisa and Eze, which is Gibbs White, Johnson, Lingard. Hmm. There's a chap called Jamie in the comments who's pretty disagreeing, but disagreeing strongly about. I think that's our stance on a one year. I think the thing about a one year is I, a Union Berlin. I got. I think the team was built for him to score with this tactic of getting the ball down the side for him to run onto, and the Forest team doesn't seem to be built like that. And he needs to be the facilitator. And I think he's been so inconsistent. There was an, you know, I said at Arsenal he's like a pinball machine. He just it wasn't in the game, but then Liverpool he was last night. He has his moments where he looks really good and he's breaking up the pitch, but then there's another moment where he goes to shoulder charge someone and runs past them and it just looks it looks a bit clumsy, which is fine, but I just don't think Cooper's convinced. So for, I think there's gonna to have to be a long a long term bit of patience there with with a one year. What do you think, Temps? You want to come in? I agree with everything you've said. And look, that, that video and that performance for the German club last season is what got him here. But his performances for Forrest are what will 
um, determine whether or not he's in the side. And based on that performance last night, based on Arsenal, he's he's not going to be in the team. He's certainly not going to be in the, the Premier League team. And if that was a Premier League game last night, I don't think necessarily he would have been selected. It's been said, hasn't it? I think this was a nugget from uh, Fletch. He, he, within Forest, Tyro is seen as a project, a player of all the physical attributes that you need and flashes of quality with the ball who doesn't quite do it consistently enough. That's not to say he won't come good. That's not to say that he, he won't score 10, 15 goals next season. But when you're viewed as a project in a team that needs to be ready now, it also means you could leave in one of the next three transfer windows. And that's where Tyro is. You know, no, nobody owes him a living because he did well in Germany last year. He was poor last night. If he trains well between now and the, um, the new year or, or puts in a performance off the bench, whatever, he'll be back in. We're not writing these players off but he's not the man for now. We need players for now. We need players for Saturday. And giving him more minutes at this stage would be too much of a risk because there are better options in the squad. Mm. A lot of people say, when you when around team selection and subs, like, oh, we've got a £20 million striker on the bench. We've got X player on the bench. I think the fees are almost not irrelevant, but not, not far off. I mean, Brennan Johnson didn't cost anything, but what's his market value? I don't. I just don't think the fact Emmanuel Dennis costs twenty million quid means anything if he's not doing anything. Uh, and there's been too many games for me where he hasn't done enough. Maybe he needs a run of games. But like temp sense, this is a this is a, a time when you need results. So you know, pick. We're not the managers. We I know we're picking our 11s, but Steve Cooper sees these players picks them based on you know what he sees in training. And like you've said before, Temps, not many of us would have had Kuyate in the team a few weeks ago, and now he's a regular. And the same for Aurier. I'll eat my hat again about Aurier last night. Really good. He's nailed that position down. So fees and all that kind of stuff don't mean anything to me personally at this stage. Um, right. Ah, Sai in the comments has hit on what our last topic was going to be quickly. Is Jed coming home in January? Uh, Mikey, if he goes on loan, would you take him? Because he's barely had a kick for Spurs. And then when he came on, he was their best outfield player, I thought, for the last 30 minutes. But there's something not not happening there for him with Conte. And they might loan him out in January. Would you have him back? Or have we got Aurier, Williams, Lodi and the ship sailed? I would 1 million percent get him back in. So I've I've said on here before that I thought he uh, turned our season around by his dynamism, his direct running, his no-fear approach to the game and the fact that we could then play a back three and he was up and down like a train all game. Um, slightly different now, playing a different formation. We've got Aurier, of course. Nico can play right back. But there's just something about Jed Spence. I think he's brilliant. I, I genuinely think he's probably the best line player I've ever seen at Forest, just in terms of his impact that he had on the team. So again, you know, I was talking about the mental uplift of the fans and, and the players. If Jed Spence walks through the door on the 2nd of January, I guarantee you 99% of people will go, brilliant, he's back. He should have never left. We should have got him in the first place. He is back and then we find a way to integrate him into the team. I just, I, I, I genuinely, it's not a man crush before anybody says, I just genuinely see the impact that he had on us coming up and just the way the way he plays football is is perfectly suited to a Steve, Steve Cooper team. He's young, he's energetic, 
you know, he's taking people on in his own half. I'm not sure maybe he can do that in the Premier League, but it's that way of thinking, you know, I'm better than this person. I can influence a football game, as Temps was saying. So, yeah, I think, you know, where I'm stood on this camp, Matt, I would 1 million percent get him back in because I just think it would be a huge, huge statement from Forrest. Um, and it just gives us so many, you know, we can play anywhere. He was playing, playing up front last night. You know, it's up and down. You don't have to play him at right back and say, you stick there. You could play him in front of Aurier. You know, Matt, you were talking about Lodi for, you know, how good he is going forward. There's a there's a suggestion that perhaps if we went to a, a 4-4-2, for example, he could play on the left-hand side of midfield with somebody behind him. So it's a squad game. You know, we're not going to stay up with 11 players or even 15 players. And Jed Spence would add some significant quality and that feel-good factor back. So, yeah, 100%, mate. Or a million percent, as I said, which is impossible. A million percent. But you know where I'm at. <laughs> yeah, no one's going to get more out of Jed Spence than Steve Cooper. So you imagine that type of player who needs to be shown a bit of love, needs his tyres pumped every now and again. Do you want to work for Steve Cooper, Neil Warnock or Antonio Conte? One of those fellas is told the world he's non-league. One of those fellas has told the world he didn't want to sign him. And Steve Cooper turned this almost anonymous loan signing into one of the most influential players in our, our promotion. I would get him back. Then you've got another challenge. How do you accommodate him? Because I don't think he's going to play right mid in front of a, a right back. But it's just a, another option, isn't it? He's going to reduce the number of minutes available to Lodi Williams and, and Serge Aurier. And you wouldn't you wouldn't particularly say um, that a re recruitment of a player in that position would be a priority. However, that individual who is compatible with our football club gets the best or gets more out of Brennan. I think it'd be a worthwhile punt on loan in January, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, it probably won't happen, but I too would have him back. And he doesn't, even if he doesn't start every game straight away, he comes off the bench like we saw last night. He can play different roles. Maybe Aurier runs out of form. We don't We don't know. I think you have to remember. Someone said um, bring someone in for the sake of it in the comments. It's not bringing someone in for the sake of it when you know exactly what you're getting from him and he knows the football club, he knows the manager. This is uh, this would be a constructive signing for me. So, yeah, I don't think, like we said on Monday and Temps on there, don't go mad in January, but three or four quality signings for me could make all the difference and Spence would definitely be up there. Right, Uh Pretty much at the end of matters. Any other business before we go, Temps? Yeah, I was going to mention uh, when Yatesy came into the room last night and he was interviewed by um, Simon Fotheringham after the game, he, he just spoke really well. He's gleaming from ear to ear. And the first thing he said is, we're not satisfied. We've won a cup game, but we're, we're, we're not where we want to be in the league. And he, there was just such a... He was exuding a self-confidence and, and a belief that there was so much more to come and that could be a... A catalyst for it. He was he was devastated that Derby had gone out on penalties because that was his dream draw in the in the next round. You just get that feeling that in in Ryan Yates, there's a there's a supporter of this club running around, living it like we wish we were, and it means so much to him to be in that team to 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 win games for Forest, and he's had to prove that was wrong, hasn't he, over the last two and three years? To Matt's point, he's growing every game. He's getting used to what it means to be consistent at this level. And I think his spirit 
and his work rate and increasingly, I hope, his ability and possession will be a factor in, in, in keeping us in the, in the league. But he just, he just spoke so well. You know, not a monosyllabic footballer, a fan of Forrest, playing for Forrest. He'd been there since he was eight years old, living his, living his dream. But beyond that, it not being enough just to, just to take part. He wants to turn that into performances, results and points. And that starts on Saturday. Mikey, you could do well to top that one. Anything you want to add? Oh, I don't know. Are you ready for this? Yeah, two things. So, uh, firstly, uh, that was good to hear, actually, Thames. That's, that, that's brilliant, brilliant to hear from Yates. Um, firstly, for the, anybody that watched East Midlands today on, on Monday, saw um, a guy called Ian, who's obviously walked to all the Premier League grounds and raised a couple of grand for guide dogs. I met him before the game on Saturday. He's a big Forest fan. Um, so, let's say hello. Um, brilliant cause. So, well done, mate. I struggle to walk my dog, never mind walk to all Premier League grounds, so fair play to him. Um, second thing, slightly different. Since I was last on, I've got a bit nostalgic, so try to relive some of the stuff. So started with food, just want everybody's opinion on this. So can you remember Sherbet Dib Dabs? Can you remember them? And Salt and Shake Crisps and Angel Delight. Where's he going with this, Matt? Where's he <laughs> going? I've got a train to catch in a few minutes. There is a point. So um, I tried them all and they were all absolutely disgusting. So my, my recollection of them is completely different. And you know what it got me thinking of? Unfinished business. Do you remember when we bought Billy Davis back? So yes. I guess my my words of wisdom for today are, if you have great memories of some stuff in the past, leave it there. Don't revisit it because it's in the past for a reason. So I just thought I'd leave everybody with a bit of a uh, a recollection that I've had in the last couple of weeks. That contradicts your million percent Jed Spence point. Yeah, exactly. He's lost all credibility there. Get him another dip, Dab. Yeah, but Angel Delight was years ago. Jed Spence was literally five minutes ago. So I've got my more kids. confidence in that. There's a lot there's a lot of dip dabs in my kids' Halloween uh, trick-or-treat collection, I noticed. So that must be back rife now. There we go. Right. Uh, on that note, I think we shall leave it there. If you liked, uh, uh, do subscribe if you like this episode and uh, give us a good review on iTunes, etc., etc. We are back on Monday with Temps. You're here and hopefully Colin Frey all being well. That's the plan. And then we'll carry on through the World Cup with a few interviews I've got lined up so we won't be disappearing completely. In the meantime, Mikey, thank you very much. Hey, always a pleasure, Matt. Thanks, Temps. Temps, thank you. Cheers, Matt. Good to see you, Mikey. Yes, me and uh, Temps have got to catch trains out different directions. Mikey is going to go and get some Dib Dabs, Angel Delight, and uh, the retro food. Turkey drummers, Finder's Crispy Pancakes, there's plenty out there for you. <laughs> Thanks very much, everyone, and we shall see you soon.